Hello and welcome to the Relational Parents Podcast, where we get off autopilot and give thoughtful attention to how we interact with our children and relate to ourselves so that you can show up in your family as the best version of yourself with a lot more joy and ease. I'm your host, Teresa Puckett, and I'm thrilled you've joined us today. Hello, in this episode, I'm really very happy to be talking to you about melting anxiety. Actually, it will be the focus of this episode as well as the next one. And so we're going to explore a little bit first how we keep ourselves anxious and then we'll get into a couple of actions that we can take that are all backed up by the latest greatest brain science to help diminish some of that anxiety and in the last episode we actually talked about deep breathing as one of those actions so let's all take a breath together Excellent. Excellent. So I think you will agree with me when I say we live in a time that is pretty anxious and in which many people wear busy as a badge. Busy. I have no time. Look, I'm doing, doing, doing. I literally have no time. And that's to some extent where their, where our self-worth comes from, or at least it's affirming for us in terms of, okay, I have some value, I am busy. And that is a big fat lie. It's not the subject of this, of this episode, but it is a big fat lie. And not only is that a lie? But then some of us, and I include myself in this group, this is where I was not so very long ago, years, but not so very long ago, was um, not just busy, but achieving. It can't just be busy, but I have to be achieving. So amp it up a little bit, have to achieve, achieve, achieve. And I have to take multitasking to a whole new level. And that causes all kinds of collateral damage in society, with our kids, with our families. I know for myself, when I look back a few decades and I can see some of the things and I can trace them back to causes that were me being so hellbent on achievement that I was missing a lot and I was multitasking, but I wasn't prioritizing that kind of thing. So without getting into my personals from decades ago on this, all I really have to do today is I look out, um, I look out from my front porch onto the sidewalk in my neighborhood and I see it every day. I see parents pushing their preschoolers in a stroller and they are wildly multitasking. 
they're on their phones and my kid is getting fresh air, check. I'm getting some cardio in, check. I'm also having a conversation. Now I can't tell whether that's a conversation with mom or with sister, or it's maybe a work-related conversation, but I got a conversation done that I had to have, check. Look how efficient I am. I got all of those things done at the same time. Now, I know that sounds a little bit judgmental, but it's, it's really not. And I will share with you actually a story, a very similar story for me and my husband. Um, it, it was back when my older was one year old and we thought, okay, well, you know, clearly maybe he was even less than one, um, nine months, whenever it was that he, you know, he was very, very steady sitting up. Um, without too much support. We thought, hey, you know, we had bicycles, we liked to be active, and we knew he loved to be outside. So we got one of those little, like a sidecar, it was kind of an expensive little sidecar to hook on to one of our bicycles so that he could sit in there and he would be, you know, in between the bicycle and the curb kind of a deal. And we thought, oh, this is great. So we got one of those, we strapped him in, we got on our bicycles and we go, we go for this, uh, this bike ride. And you know, maybe you've had this experience as well with your firstborn, like, you know, you only have one kid at the time and you're highly, highly attuned, right? So <laughs> we get off the bicycles, we're back at the house, maybe it's 20 minutes, I don't remember, 30 minutes later. And we, you know, we, we get him out and it was like this whole protected thing. It was like his own personal little tent almost. I mean, it had windows, but he was enclosed. So we couldn't see him very well while we were bicycling. So we had to, you know, um, unzip it or do whatever we needed to do to see him and get a look at his face. <laughs> and I will never forget, we both were completely confused because we thought he would be like, yeah, let's go out again, even though he wasn't talking, but you know, with that energy. And he was completely confused. He was nothing like engaged and nothing like excited. He was kind of, and he was, uh, he was looking at us like, what did you just do to me kind of thing? And I, I will never forget how just, I just felt so, so sorry. And so like, wow, that was not what I expected, but <laughs> we all went together cycling as a family like that one time and then we ended up giving that uh, that little sidecar away because it just wasn't for him he wasn't engaged so we wanted to be efficient multitaskers certainly but once we took a look at him we just realized that we couldn't be effective multitaskers with this particular child in this specific way. I'm not saying that those sidecars are for nobody. Okay, I'm not, but um, just the act of observing. So observing our children is so, so, so very important as parents. And one of the best ways that we can do this is 
by using um, a positive discipline tool that I've talked about before called Special Time. And so I have talked about it before. I actually did another whole podcast on it before. So I won't get into the details about it today with you, but what it essentially is, is spending very focused time, one parent and one child only. Doesn't matter if you only have one child, it can't be you and your co-parent and the child. Special time is one parent and one child. And I'll, I'll leave you to uh, explore the details elsewhere and maybe in, uh, in, in my other podcast. But what is fascinating, extremely fascinating to me is that the latest greatest brain science has re only recently just proven that our brain cannot at the same instant be doing something and be observing. Isn't that wild? I mean, maybe, you know, maybe you're multitasking while you're listening to me or, or whatever it is, but, and maybe, or maybe that just is not fascinating to you. <laughs> I could do a whole podcast on why I find that so fascinating, but you can only, your brain, literally, scientifically, your brain can only either be focused on a task or be in observation slash reflection mode. Cannot do both at the same time. So during special time, we have this wonderful opportunity since it's only the two of us, you know, me and my child, we have this wonderful opportunity to observe our child. Now, presumably we're engaged in some activity, but um, that's not to say you can't ever be observing and doing in the same half hour. It's at the same instant. So you can be, you know, whatever it is, if you're, I don't know, if you're, you're on a trampoline, say, like you can be jumping and then you can kind of slow down and watch and observe. So not in the same instant you're doing both things. And even maybe, you know, while you're in midair, you stop focusing on what you're doing and you're like watching your kid. It's not at the same instant you're doing both. But you have this great opportunity and special time to observe your child and to bring your presence to your child. And that's a wonderful, wonderful gift for them. So that's, uh, that's terrific. Now, I have had conversations with individual parents about special times and I have heard a lot. I've heard things like, but you don't get it T. Like I'm really worried about my kid. She's got this thing. There's, there's this whole um, IEP. There's this whole thing at school. I'm terrified she's going to have to repeat X grade. I think, you know, I'm, I'm really, really worried that he might have uh, ABC diagnosis, or you don't understand, like my six-year-old has ABC and DEF diagnoses. Like, you know, I, I just, I'm so worried. I can't even tell you. So I, I get it. Deep breath. So I want to offer you another tool. Now, you know, we, we typically schedule our special time, right? We use our calendar and we schedule it in. Um, if you're in a space though, 
right now where that just feels like too much, like way too much and you, you need a smaller step. That's okay. Um, I wanna offer you another step. Still involves your calendar though, so don't put that away. Get out your calendar. I want you to schedule, you can schedule 10 minutes, 15 minutes, up to 20 minutes in the next 24 hours. I want you to schedule that 20 minutes. And I want you to allow yourself to do nothing but worry about this very particular topic or fear that you have about your child, or maybe you have multiple and you can, you can alternate and you can rotate, but nothing but worry about your child. That's the only job you have for those 20 minutes. I want you to schedule it in because what happens, just like last time when we, we did our deep breathing and the deep breaths send a signal to our nervous system, scheduling that time in sends a signal to your nervous system that that's the time to do the worrying. So if we're being purposeful and we're scheduling that time in to do the worrying, then we actually, actually, it's not necessary for all these brain cells to be preoccupied in worrying outside of that time because we've already scheduled it in. Okay, so that is another tool. And I did not make that one up. That is a tool, wonderful tool also from the book, The Self-Driven Child by Bill Stixrude and Ned Johnson. So I wanna thank them for that. I may have adapted it a little bit and I will continue to do so, but I absolutely love that tool and that works really well. That works for worrying about anything, but we're talking about our kids right here. So, if you're working up to, uh, to special time, again, never fear, I've got you. And it's, um, I wasn't always a positive discipline aficionado. I didn't always um, do special time either with my kids. And I wanna share with you a story. Um, I was a Montessori teacher, many of you know, I was a Montessori teacher um, a while back when my, uh, my second guy was born. And I learned about the importance of observation as a Montessori teacher. So one day while I was washing a dish in the kitchen, I looked up out the window and my, uh, my two little preschoolers, they were definitely preschoolers. My younger was probably more of a toddler at that point. Um, they were outside in the backyard, they were playing, they had a ball. And I couldn't, I couldn't hear everything and I don't know all the details of what happened, but what I saw and what I observed was that at some point, you know, it was all nice until this point where my younger was not happy. And he made it known that he was not happy and he left the game. He just walked away from my older. And my older, you know, he, he took notice. He noticed what was happening, what was going on. And then he made a decision to keep playing whatever game that was by himself. So I, 
I was speechless. I didn't know what to, to do with this. And here's why, because I am the older of two siblings. And when I was that age, I was in charge. Okay. I would have handled that situation much, much differently. And if you could talk to my sister, she would vouch for that for sure. That would not have happened. No, you know, walking away from a game that I wanted to keep playing. I was in charge. No way. Um, this was the beginning of like just fireworks of epiphanies for me because I, I observed that. I gave myself an opportunity to reflect on that. And my first, my first gut reaction was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, you know, maybe he should show his brother who's boss. And then I realized that was my, you know, four-year-old self-talking. And I realized, so number one, my son was not like me in this way. Number two, wow, there's a different way to be besides how I was wired for that situation. Amazing. And that, that small act of quiet observation just paid such gigantic dividends. We continue to learn from each other today. And that's the, the con that's what I actually want most is to be creating with him a relationship where when we're each ready and willing, we can both learn from each other. And um, that one little act of observing, it wasn't special time. It wasn't a 20 minute observation. It was me looking up from washing a dish and spending a few moments. I wasn't on the phone. I wasn't self-preoccupied. If I can do this, if, if my, you know, decades ago self can do this, okay, so can you. I promise. It takes some willingness. It takes some commitment to a very small step. So what small step will you take? in the next 24 hours. And how can I support you? Let me know because I would love to. Okay, until next time, bye for now. So glad you took the time to listen today. As always, I welcome your questions and feedback. Please send them to me at support at relationalparents.org.